speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, we've been, uh, we've been preparing ourselves for something of a journey now, haven't we? A couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you love that feeling of getting ready to go on a trip somewhere? Now, ever since I was a child, I've always loved, loved that feeling. Skylar, do you, like, do you like going on long car rides? Do you like that? Do you enjoy that? There's some important things you have to do before you go on a car ride, though, aren't there? There certainly are. Uh, and I, I always love the feeling of having to get ready to go on a car ride. When I, when I was about your age, Skylar, that's beautiful, too. And you did it in purple, which is the color of the season. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, I loved all the things that you had to do. Getting packed, getting ready for, for all the things you needed to take, select the things you needed while you are in transit, and then the stuff you'd need, you know, wherever you were going, the stuff you need when you got through your clothing. Um, when I was growing up, most of my brothers lived well out of state, quite a ways away. And so my parents and I would take these trips, uh, usually out west. They were living in Colorado and Utah throughout the 1970s, and we'd take these trips out there, it seemed, every year, and certainly during the summer and holidays. And I loved all the, all the preparations for the trips out there. I really did. Uh, one of my favorite things... Uh, favorite things about traveling was uh, remember the banquet brand fried chicken? Yes. yes. <laughs> My mother would, would bake a bunch of this stuff. She'd get a load of it, bake it in the oven, and then put it into the refrigerator so that we had well, cold fried chicken for the ride up. And you folks know me, and you know my love for fried chicken. So I think you probably get an idea of where a lot of my love of, of car trips uh, comes from. Well, the journey, the journey that we're preparing for now is, it has a lot less to do with, with chicken, doesn't it? Uh, it's a journey of length. And most of us know where this, this, I think we all know where this journey leads, don't we? We know some of what the journey entails. And this, this holy season is given to us by Holy Mother Church as an annual preparation for the Paschal Feast, isn't it? For the Feast of Easter. And keeping the season of Lent as we're preparing for, it's, it's ancient. It's an ancient thing. It actually predates the completion of the New Testament. It's old. It's very old. Before Christians had the Bible, they had Lent. They had this season. They had this, they've been keeping this period of fasting and prayer as preparation for Easter uh, since the first decades of the church. And this, this looking ahead, this, this preparation for a journey is also given to us, of course, in Holy Scripture. And we see something of a, something of like a little snapshot of it today in the Gospel. And then we, we also receive some traveling instructions in the Epistle that we heard read. To look at the, at the Gospel, in, in the 18th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, we have what many have called uh, a preview of the Via Dolorosa. The way of, it means the way of sorrows. It's also what we, we call the Via Crucis, or the, the stations of the cross, the way of the cross. Uh, you know, go take a look around if, if you've not, I'm sure you've seen this, but you know in the church building, in the main body of the church, we have all 14 stations of the cross around, don't we? All the 14 stations of the cross. And this very old, old tradition stems from pilgrims in northern Europe, and particularly in England, wanting to walk the Via Dolorosa, the, the way that Jesus had, you know, the actual path that he had followed in Jerusalem, from being condemned all the way up to, well, all the way up to his burial, in fact. And perhaps some of these pilgrims, you know, centuries ago, had been to the Holy Land on a pilgrimage, 
And then when they came back, they wanted to be able to remember it and be able to live into it again in their parish churches. And hence, the Stations of the Cross were instituted. And you can, you can, you can come and follow and, and pray the Stations of the Cross. Here in our parish, you can do it every Wednesday in Lent, can't you? And I strongly encourage you to do that. If you've never walked the Stations of the Cross, it's, it's a powerful devotion, grounded in Scripture and grounded in, in, in the, the life and in passion of our Lord. I highly recommend that to you. And that's what we see. We see a snapshot, a, a preview of the Via Dolorosa in the Gospel today. Did you notice that? In the Gospel, Jesus gives this preview of what the trip to Jerusalem is going to entail. Gesundheit. He tells the disciples what they're going to do. He says, The Son of Man will be delivered to the Gentiles. He shall be mocked. He'll be treated with spite. He'll be spat upon. He'll be scourged. He'll be put to death. That's a good portion of the parts of the stations of the cross right there. He assures them also that, that he will rise again on the third day, but I suppose after what he had just said, that was probably a bit much to take. And this didn't sound like a, I mean, it sounded like a journey they really wanted to go on at that point, you know. And whatever the case, we're told that the disciples didn't understand these things. They didn't understand what their Lord had just told them. They didn't understand what was spoken to them. Well, as they journeyed, as the gospel goes on, as they journeyed, they came upon this blind man, right? This blind man who kept on crying out, Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Kept crying out after them. And and those who were traveling with him, the disciples and others, they they found him probably a little bit distressing. You know, a little little annoying almost. And they, they kept on trying to get him to be quiet. But finally, of course, what happens? But Jesus turns to him in mercy. And he's crying out for mercy. And as Jesus' heart is wont to do, he turns to them, he turns to him in mercy. And indeed, he gives him sight. And it was often noted by the fathers of the church, anciently, that while Jesus gives sight to this blind man who, who turns to him in faith, well, his disciples stay figuratively blind to what it is that he's telling them uh, about his passion and about his crucifixion. They just don't get it yet, do they? They're not going to get it for a while, in fact. And the question, from the time of the fathers until now, has been perpetually raised about whether or not we, you and me, right now, all of us in the church, whether we reach out in faith and seek after Jesus, if we want to receive sight too, or if that time is kind of like the apostles, we just, we just stay blinded to what he's telling us. Stay blinded to, to what it is that he's offering to do for us. Well, likewise, in, in the epistle reading today, uh, maybe you can't help but notice what St. Paul is saying in the 13th chapter of his first letter to the Corinthians. I, I'm not going to go into a full discourse on that. Some, some year I'll do that, and maybe next year we'll open up that reading from Corinthians more fully. You've heard this reading, and, and I, I assume, and I suffice to say that it's a, it's a well-loved but largely misunderstood reading. In a lot of modern translations, you usually hear that word charity translated as, what word do you oftentimes hear that? Love. Right. That, that, that is, it's, it's a type of love. But they're talking about a particular type of love in here, St. Paul is saying. And you'll see this reading used at weddings, strangely enough. Uh, it, 
It has nothing to do with the type of love between a husband and a wife, and yet it gets trundled out because the word love happens to be in there, and people assume, well, this must be you know, the kind of love we're talking about here. Well, it, it is for us, as we receive it just before we begin our journey, it's a reminder of one of the most important things that we can take along on the trip that we're about to take. It's even more important than a cooler of of fried chicken, believe me. As much as I love fried chicken, it's a lot more important than that. That most important thing we can take along on this particular journey is charity. Charity. It's that charity that Jesus tries to teach his disciples then by by giving sight to the blind man on their journey to Jerusalem. He calls out in mercy, or seeking mercy, and Jesus turns to him in mercy, in a total outpouring of his heart in mercy, an outpouring of who he is in mercy. And it's, it's that charity that just might result in our eyes being opened to how God moves in, in all of our lives. Charity toward all others. You know, charity to each other here. Charity within our family. Charity amongst our friends. Charity toward complete strangers. Toward those whom we we don't get along so well with. Charity in all that we do. Now, as a caveat, I'll remind you, it's almost impossible uh, to pack enough of this stuff for the trip, okay? Almost impossible. And we'll certainly run short on this most important supply at some point, whether it's during Lent, during the rest of the liturgical year, during the whole of our lives, each and every day of our lives. And during this Lent, as, as, we, as we fast, as we pray, as we devote ourselves to the, the reading of God's Holy Word, as we give more time to prayer, more time to devotions, as we give more time to more time together, But there are going to come times when we're we're challenged as regards our keeping of this commandment to love one another. It never gets any easier. It never gets any easier and we will, without a doubt, fail at some point. If you're like your priest, you're going to fail almost daily, if not several times a day. Okay? Let's be honest. And yet... Yet we're called to continue journeying, aren't we? We're called to the journey. And even if we stumble, even if we fall down, well, we, we, we by the grace of God, uh, try to get back up again. We, we, we carry on, we press on toward Jerusalem, toward Calvary, toward the cross, and toward the tomb. Because we know that on the other side is the glorious resurrection. Well... Before we begin our journey, I'll leave us with some words from from that hero of mine, whom I uh, probably give you more often than I should, a hero of mine whom you're getting to know better and better each year, Uh, a priest in the Church of England, Father Austin Fair, the late Father Austin Fair, who wrote for this Sunday of Quinquagesima, he asked, What is that gift of charity? I stand before the altar today, I spread out my hands, as though to call down something from the skies, and I ask for charity. In asking, I say that unless I receive it, I may seem to myself to be alive, but God will see that I am dead. Am I dead then? Or am I alive in his eyes? Have I this gift? Will God give it me? What is it to begin with? 
It's not only doing the, the decent and helpful thing for us as Christ's apostle. I might go to the extreme of visible generosity. I might give all my goods to feed the, the poor and yet lack charity. Still less, still less it is mere tolerance and a show of amiability. It means that a caring for God and my neighbor becomes the stuff of my being, the mainspring of my will, not something joined on from outside. God does not have love. He is love, Father Ferrer said. God does not love, but does not have love. He is love. And to have love, we also must become it. Why then, if to be alive I must have love thus, it is plain enough that I am dead. And Father Farah concludes, let me be dead. Let me be dead. I come to this sacrament to take part in the resurrection. I throw myself into the hand of God, and God is known to be God. By this token, he raises the dead. You see, we are dead. If that's the measure, really and truly, we are dead. Indeed, we 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 all fail. We all fail at this call to live fully into the love of God and to be loved the way that God is loved. We fail at that. We fail at this call to make charity a part of our being. We are all dead. But that's exactly why we're here. That is exactly why we're here. That's exactly why we undertake the journey of Lent. That is exactly why we, why we turn to Jesus Christ. That's exactly why we come to the Holy Sacrament. We come as the broken, that we might be made whole. We come as the sinful, that we might be forgiven. And we come as the dead, that through Jesus Christ we might truly receive life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.